fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 35 of season number 3 of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal. Fantasy Fullback Dive, of course, is the only podcast that's going to pave your way for your league fantasy football championship. Be your lead blocker, if you will. I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones, with me as always, the Wolf of Rotor Street himself. We're coming off a hot and heavy week number one of the fantasy football and real football season. Wolf, how did you do? I did fantastic overall. Four out of five leagues got the win, which was awesome. A lot of I actually followed my own advice in most leagues this year, which I didn't do last year, and I'm very pumped I did. But then it's always that bitter feeling when you lose your most important. And you never want to say some leagues are more important, but you have that one that's like oh, yeah. 12 to 15 years running. And unfortunately, suffer the loss was all day debating in my head. Jameson Crowder, Kenny Stills. Jameson Crowder, Kenny Stills. Gotta go, Kenny. Obviously, I went Crowder and didn't go Stills. And if I had gone Stills, I would have pulled it out by two points. So mm. one of those little heart gut-wrenching things that you just didn't make the right decision. And I deserve the loss. I take it, but I'm ready to bounce back. I like my squad this year, which I couldn't have said all last year and that abysmal performance in the Feds. How about you? How'd you do? I went three out of four. I, okay, and I, I won my hometown league against my arch rival, Johnny Goodtimes. It blew, uh, yes. blew him out. I mean, it was it was pretty nasty. Uh, I had one game I lost was the Rose Street Journal League. Keegs turned it on and, and destroyed me. I had a chance for a while when Rodgers seemed like he was hurt. When he came back, that was pretty much it for me. But three out of four, not a bad, not a bad start. I felt pretty good about that. I got some really, really good squads. I feel very good about all my teams. We'll see about the RSJ team. Uh, RSJ matchup week two, the Wolf, the Truth, going at it. Uh, this is pretty much the one that everybody's paying to see. So, oh yeah, uh, look out, buddy. Absolutely. This is my favorite of the year because it's my chance to just flex these guns on you. Make sure you're you're doing a nice podcast reading next week, which I, I believe was Mike Evans who was inserting it into you the last time. We, we had a good <laughs> podcast reading. So who will it be this week? Who knows? Maybe James Conner. He's looking real thick and girthy for you later this week, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I've, I've heard good <laughs> things about James Conner in that respect. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I, I warn you, my team is not a team of pushovers. I think that you're going to have your hands full. We'll see what happens. I have got to say, however, speaking of Mike Evans, uh, I picked him up in an auction draft in the one mm-hmm. league I'm in. And I, he was pretty cheap. I mean, he was like, you know, $33 right. or something like that. And I was just like, I didn't even go into the draft wanting him. And right. I was like, I can't pass on Mike Evans for $33. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the guy, you know, it reminds you every other year, Mike Evans is amazing. Right, 12 touchdowns in his last two even-numbered seasons, so maybe that's the trend. Maybe 2018, uh, maybe it's going to be 12 touchdowns. certainly looked that good. There is some concerning stats about how Ryan Fitzpatrick is way better for his wide receivers than uh, Jameis Winston is, who's very good with tight ends and running backs, but for whatever reason sucks with wide receivers as a quarterback. I'd say it's a pretty important thing to be able to hit your wide receivers who knows what will happen if it's magic will keep the magic going and keep this job or if it's going to be Winston come the stretch who knows but Mike Evans certainly looks ready to bounce back this season Jameis Winston's not a very good uh, quarterback I'm just going to spring that on you right now yeah I'm not a huge fan of him either uh and, and you're speaking of that like getting stuck with the guy that ended up being shady for me in my auction I'm so fucking pissed you know how many times we talked against shady on this yeah podcast? I do Last year it was Demarius Thomas, and I got stuck with him, and I'm just fucking pissed. I'm hoping Josh Allen getting the start this week will somehow spark oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's going to really turn the if The cannon arm might keep safeties a little bit. I don't know. I'm pissed, though. He went for like 12 bucks. It was like, all right, no-brainer. It's shady. Maybe the volume and the talent will still be there, but god damn, that was awful last week. No, and that's another one where you got to listen to your own advice because you're yeah. right. You, you called that. I stayed away from him in every league even though I'm a bona fide shady fan. Right. All right, we're going to come back right after this. We're going to hit the stock watch and the trainer's room, one and the same. Uh, we're also going to be talking week two, our higher, our lower, our Hail Mary calls. Week two burning questions are also right around the corner, and we're going to close things out with a pretty decent mailbag, actually. So uh, we'll be back right after this with our stock watch. 
we are back and the stock watch and the trainer's room are in full effect. Leading off the stock watch, sexy Rexy, Rex Burkhead, concussion. What do you know about Rex right now? He's in the protocol, but I mean, like, is it, you know, is there any more or less reason for concern than usual? I'd say so because he never really checked out of the game. It what didn't pop up on Monday or anything that he was woozy. Kind of came out of nowhere. So I don't get what's going on here. It's pretty shocking for a well, Wednesday mid-week concussion to pop up. Uh, you got to be concerned. The matchup already was concerning against Jacksonville, obviously one of the toughest defenses in the league. What do you do moving forward? I think James White was already the better play going into this week just because he's going to be such a focal part of this passing attack that was very clear on Sunday. And now they have legitimately no one else in this backfield. They signed Kenjin Barner. He's literally the only other standing body with Jeremy Hill tearing his ACL. Maybe Sony Michelle comes back. And who knows, the Patriots, he'll probably just get 30 carries and tear it up. But uh, maybe we'll get a long look at him. And if they do, it could be a real turning of the guard fast for Rex Burkhead. If Michelle comes in, and plays real hard and plays fast. You got to be very concerned with this mid-seat, just midweek concussion out of nowhere. Who knows where this one will lead? Yeah, I agree. There's cause for concern. Speaking of the Patriots' backfield, I've been hanging on to Sony Michelle on my bench in the hometown. Great league. stash. Do you think so? I do. Absolutely. He's the one guy who's been has like you know. There's been no pretense that he was going to do anything, but I've been. Everyone else is like filling a legit role, but I am keeping him there. Uh, just hoping, fingers crossed, hoping he'll be there. I did trade. I had James White also. I traded James White and Jamison Crowder uh, the day before, uh, you know, the the week started, um, and I got Emmanuel Sanders back. Oh, I love that trade. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a money deal. Even if White's going to be money these next couple weeks when Edelman's out at the long term, you saw how good Sanders Yeah, I, I mean, I like White and I like Crowder, but I, I couldn't pass on Sanders. And Not and at all. That's off. our boy. I, right. I'm pumped about him, yeah. I, and Michelle, just like in terms of stash value, I really do think what I've wrote about this offseason is I think he reminds me a lot of um, Jeremy Hill, actually, the, the guy who just tore his ACL back in his rookie season where useless for the first half of the season or so, but you just knew the talent was there. You knew the offense, obviously, with the Patriots, even more explosive. If he at any point takes over the reins, and obviously if they spent the first-round pick on him, they, they expect him to do a serious amount of work. I just think it could be like Deion Lewis next year. Down the stretch, he was the, the RB10 and RB3 for the last like four or five weeks. I can see Michelle having a huge impact, so definitely hold on to him. Don't cut that guy yet. Okay, I'm, I'm going to take that advice. I'm going to take it seriously. Uh, Will Fuller, hamstring. Uh, disappointing for the Texans to not see mm-hmm. him on the field. And, you know, obviously I guess Patriots fans were glad not to see him. But uh, it was it's too bad. And, man, that worry, the hamstring remains limited at Wednesday, Wednesday's practice. Hamstrings... You know, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but man, sometimes these things linger, especially for speed guys. Right, especially for Will Fuller. I mean, the guy can never stay healthy, and it's so disappointing because when he's on the field, even as a rookie, he was a huge playmaker. Then last year when Deshaun Watson, uh, finally a legitimate quarterback, was there to uncork it, he he was just uh, 28 touchdown pace, just unstoppable what this guy was doing on the field. He's got four three burners and just is so good at tracking the ball when it's in the air like that. And obviously when Watson can buy time, that gives it even more dangerous of a threat. He adds a whole dimension to this offense that was just clearly lacking. I mean, obviously Watson himself didn't look fully healthy either, but I think Will Fuller was a huge part of that. The expectation early on is he's going to go, and that would be humongous for this entire attack, for Watson's value, for Fuller himself as a, a bonafide wide receiver three you can throw in there and have a humongous ceiling after we saw Tennessee get bombed by uh, Miami and Kenny Stills just going deep all day. Fuller's an even better deep threat. I could see him blowing up if he's on the field. So this is one has to be on your radar, fantasy owners. All right. Uh, Coach Mike Vrabel, when talking about Marcus Mariota's elbow, says he should be good to go for week two against the Texans. Uh, I mean, (laughs) should they take comfort in that? It's uh, yes, because otherwise you're playing who like is it Blaine Gabbert? I think is their backup, which is just disgusting. Not an option. So obviously Corey Davis owners are hoping for this. Dion Lewis owners, Derek Henry. I don't know if that matters anymore. We'll talk about that one a little bit later. So yes, I mean, it is important to know. It's important to monitor. 
it's just another one of those things where Mariota every year seems to get something happening to him in week one where now there's an excuse all year when he's playing at less than 100% why he hasn't broken out yet. And it's just so frustrating. I mean, Matt LaFleur's system has finally seemed like the perfect offense for this guy. And now he's got some something that could hold him back potentially. So I'm annoyed by it, but I obviously hope he's going as a Corey Davis owner who should be a target hog now with Delaney Walker out. They're going to need it all they fucking possibly can to have Mariota healthy so hopefully he is out there all right Leonard Fournette speaking of hamstrings did not practice on Wednesday uh is this what who's who's even the guy now we've talked about the oh Yeldon Yeldon I mean do we are you buying stock in Yeldon not a ton he went really high in a lot of my no I'm I mean one week rental could be okay I looked decent last week so I mean if he's the starter if he's the guy I would toss him in as like a top 25 running back option going into this week. So a quality RB2 or flex play probably over, you know, Derrick Henry or even Shady McCoy the way he looked. So Yeldon could be a useful one-week rental. Coach Marone, though, did say Fournette doesn't have to practice in order to play this week. So we're going to obviously be waiting and coming down to Sunday to find out this status. We'll, of course, have our Sunday sit-start show. Uh, after missing it this week, we did it a day early because I had the Patriots game. We'll be back at our normal time, Facebook Live, 11 a.m., me and CJ. Make sure you tune in because Fournette will be a major storyline. Obviously, as a Patriots fan, I'm hoping he doesn't go because that game scares the shit out of me. And losing Fournette would be huge because uh, that guy is just a churner. I could see Yeldon again, top 25 guy if Fournette's out. And if Fournette's out there, obviously you're rolling out your first-round pick. I'm going to give you my my deep prediction of the week. Uh, mm-hmm. Patriots don't have anything to worry about from Jacksonville. Really? Is that what you think? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I'm hearing so many analysts saying this is the game they drop and it's Kansas City of a few years ago. I'm with you. I'm not too worried about it at all. No. But, yeah. Don't be scared. I'm not. I'm <laughs> There's not. plenty of things in this world to be scared of. Blake Bortles is not one of them. Mar- <laughs> Marquise Goodwin, thigh, not practicing Wednesday. This is a thigh bruise. This is like the type of injury we've all had before. Right, like a Charlie horse? What's I going know, come on? on? You got to play through that. You got to play through it. I mean, it's a deep thigh bruise, is the I'm, way to describe it. I'm sure it, so. it is deep. But I'm sure it hurts, but we've all been punched in the thigh. We've all had our you know melons and whatnot. So I'm hoping he plays through it. I don't know how a. Thigh injury impacts speed. It, it could be a, a detriment, but I'd love to see him back on the field. I think this is a juicy matchup coming up against the uh, the Detroit Lions. We just saw Sam Darnold carve up, so I you know Jimmy Garoppolo could have an absolute day. And he's getting very – he's only 4,800 on DraftKings. Lots of upside with Marski Goodwin if he's out there. Um, but if he's not, you got to make sure you're tracking the status of Dante Pettis. A big explosive rookie had a touchdown last week. And also, I think Trent Taylor, sneaky Grant Cohen, talked a lot about him on uh, when I had him on as our in, on the in, on the fantasy beat uh, just a couple weeks ago. Said Trent Taylor is a guy that's primed to explode. Didn't do anything against the Vikings, but a name to definitely keep on your radar this week if Goodwin's sitting. Last but not least, Devontae Freeman. He who had the floor that was so high that I actually thought he was appealing. Uh, and it looks like I'm totally wrong about that because it looks like a he's in a committee that he seems mm-hmm. to be maybe on the bad end of and uh b the guy's hurt his knees hurt he's not practicing as of wednesday yeah and he's out carried like you said the wrong end of out carried out played by tevin coleman who looked just flat out better a free agent next year so maybe the team's gonna ride him see what they have in him uh, regardless of Freeman's status. And yeah, banged up too. Uh, what is it to like there? A tougher matchup against Carolina, a good linebacking core there. Uh, Devonta Freeman has no appeal to me this week. And long term, I'd be very, very nervous about that guy. He's he, To me, he's on the bench until he proves otherwise. And I love the guy as a runner, and I love him as a talent. But it seems like Coleman's the better guy to own at this point, which is just crazy to me. And if he does sit, you got to put Coleman in the lineup almost. He's got to be a lock. He's averaged just around 20 touches every time he's played. And when that guy gets worked, he absolutely feasts. So I would love to see the just Freeman take it easy, get himself fully healthy, let Coleman just rumble, get a kind of a good look at him. Uh, that, that would be the ideal, and that's what I'm hoping for on Sunday. Agreed totally. All right, there it is. There's the stock watch. There's the injury report. There's the training room. Whatever you want to call it, that was it. Uh, we'll be right back with week two, higher, lower, Hail Mary, right after this. <laughs> All 
All right, we are back. We were just reviewing the Wolf Truth Week 2 Roto Street Journal matchup, and it's going to be a doozy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the Wolf is going to have to deal with Tyreek Hill, which is not fun for anybody. We'll see. What no, God, Todd no. Gurley, I mean, had a bit of an off week, but yeah, it's still got to believe in the talent of that guy. Uh, that guy put me in the fucking torture chamber at yeah, home. He did. He had his last way with year. You, Holy playoffs, shit. I'm just so. having flashbacks right now when you say his name. I don't even want to see that matchup. Uh, and Tyreek Hill, too. The Kamara. I was talking about this earlier. I was talking about this with you right before we got on. Just like I call it the Kamara of receivers. You know, maybe not the typical usage, but just so varied and creative and just so explosive anywhere on the field. He's going to just continue blowing up. There's no stopping this guy. If, I don't get how people haven't woken up yet. If he gets into any sort of space, he's gone. Gone. Right. You can't do anything about it. All right. Mm -hmm. Quarterback. We're going to go higher. We're going to go lower. We're going to go Hail Mary. And I'm going to give you maybe, we'll say like three minutes on each position. So let's try to keep them quick. But I know we put a lot of information into a minute, minute and a half. Guy we're higher on, of course, Pat Mahomes. (laughs) Why isn't everyone else high on Pat Mahomes at this point? They saw the same games that we saw. Uh, Yeah, we know we are a little bit ahead of the curve on this. But I mean, now we've actually got evidence in front of us, NFL evidence that Mm -hmm. happened. Against a defense that was supposedly pretty good, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Mahomes playing at Pittsburgh. Um, QB4 for us. That's eight higher than the experts. The experts think there's 11 dudes that are better than this guy this week in fantasy. I just find that so hard to believe. It's unbelievable. You're absolutely right. I don't get it. He's below Matthew Stafford, who just threw four picks against the pathetic He's below Jets. Stafford? Below Stafford, who we're going to talk about in a second. Hey, did you know, do you know what on. Matthew Stafford's record is in his career against teams with winning records? Isn't it like one in like 30 or something crazy? No, it's six and 52. Even, yeah, it just a, it's about a bigger the same. sample size than that. It's just so fucking bad. He's I mean, that's horrendous. Seven, that's six and 52. <laughs> so bad. Come on. It, but, it, back to our guy of the hour, though, Pat Mahomes, the guy of our season, really, 2018 season. We've been so hyped on this guy. And it was so good to just see everything we believed in come to fruition in week one. And I don't see why anything would be different come week two unless it's a worse defense against Pittsburgh. They're going to be in Pittsburgh where Big Ben we know is as dominant as can be. So he's going to bomb these guys. I love Big Ben. He's actually my QB3. He's one of the only guys I would have above Mahomes. By the way, he's my quarterback in the Rose Street Journal League. uh, God, I'm going to face some serious dong action. Not even just – and he probably has a little pecker, a little pepper (laughs) with it, unfortunately. Uh, but, but you know, <laughs> Roethlisberger's going to put up his 30 or so, uh, which means Mahomes is going to have to keep pace, and I think he absolutely will. They've got no defense on the Chiefs' side of the ball. I don't think the Steelers' defense is much better. We saw how creatively this attack was with the shovel passes, the deep balls. All that stuff's going to still be in play this week. I don't get how anybody is not woken up to this guy yet. He clearly was dominant last week. I see another three to four touchdowns, another maybe even more yardage when they have to keep pace even further this week. They hit four touchdowns when they were ahead all game. If they're playing from behind, it could be even more dangerous for this guy. Absolutely love Mahomes this week. Yeah, I mean, ahead, behind, I mean, that can work both ways. But I I agree with everything that you're saying on this. Uh, No argument at all. We can parlay that quickly into our lower conversation, which we alluded to accidentally in the first conversation. We are lower on Matt Stafford with good reason. We've got him at quarterback 16. The experts have him as nine. That is so dumb. It's just so dumb. Again, I, I, I hate that I blew my load a minute ago talking to you about this, but uh, you heard the record against teams with winning records, right? Six yeah. and fifty-two. Six and fifty-two. Right. That's like that's like eleven percent or something. It's it's horrendous. And it's not like he's facing a great defense in San Francisco this year. I mean not this week, but Still, the Jets weren't supposed to be anything that special, and he just threw four picks. This team is kind of crumbling already in week one. I think Patricia, there's all these reports coming out about how he tried to be Bill Belichick. His players aren't responding well to him. And if Stafford's kind of, he's always been a little bit of this kind of diva guy that will fall into the negative hype. I Not a huge Stafford guy in general, and I thought he kind of proved why I don't like him last week. Obviously, they got some good weapons there that can get deep. Kenny Galladay's emergence is important, but this offense just looked really bad and really just way too risky. Stafford looked horrendous himself. The fact that he's rated above Mahomes and above almost every other quarterback blows my mind. I don't get it. All right, let's talk about who we're taking a Hail Mary on. Mitch Trubisky, 18% of people, and I guess across the board, ESPN, whatever, own Mitch Trubisky in their league. Why are you thinking he's worthy of a Hail Mary spot? Right, I think he's about 1% started, so 
The reason I think he's where the spot started is, one, I just loved what I saw from Nagy's attack. I know Trubisky only had 170 yards, but I just loved all the motion, the unique screens, especially the QB rushing from Trubisky. He could be a little bit like Tyrod Taylor in that sense where he racks up 60 in a TD and has a, a nice little floor because of the rushing. And I think the passing game kind of takes off this week against a defensive uh, Seattle that got bombed for over 300 yards, three TDs from Case Keenum, kind of the home opener for uh, for our Bears this week. I think their defense kind of swallows up Wilson and gets them in good field position at times. And Trubisky just has a much better day. I think the this box score didn't reflect how in, in innovative and just overall impressive this offense looked and all the new weapons and whatnot. So I'm expecting this to be the week they really break out. Okay. Running backs. Let's talk higher. Who are we higher on? We actually talked about this guy on our uh, messed up audio podcast on Monday a little bit. <laughs> Dion Lewis. Facing Houston. We've got him as running back 15. Speaking of guys that are in committees, but maybe are not on the bad end of it. We got him nine spots higher than the experts. Uh, You also, we're going to go a little two for one here. You also like Chris Thompson against Indianapolis. You have him as the RB 18. That's 12 spots higher than the experts. Give me, give me reasons on both those guys. These are both kind of pass catching backs. And I think that was kind of the reason I lumped them together was they get, you know, standard rankings get bumped down because they're known as pass catching guys. It doesn't make a difference if they're racking up yardage. Maybe you don't get the extra points and the bonus that comes with those receptions. You're still getting the yards. You're still getting the scores if they have them. We saw Thompson rack up over 120 yards in a TD. That's 18 standard league points on only 11 touches this week. And, yeah, I get it that AP is involved. But I think the the Colts will give them a little bit more of a fighting game than the pathetic Cardinals will give them, which means more game flow, more action for Thompson. I just absolutely love the guy. He looked completely healthy despite saying he wasn't going to be ready in November. He looked exactly as explosive the back that we saw last year that blew up for a, a top 12 standard back points per game. He, he was way up there uh, early on in the season before he got hurt. I absolutely loved what I saw. And then Deion Lewis, 70% of the the touches, pretty much every single touch after Henry came in had eight and was just completely uninspiring. Lewis was almost the every down back from that point on. He's the guy that can merge the pass games and the run game, which is what Matt LaFleur wants to do. He was the guy getting the red zone touches. Six of the eight red zone uh, looks went to Lewis, and he converted one of them and got the touchdown. I love the guy. Absolutely love him. All right, well, guys were lower on. I know you said you wanted to go with Devontae Freeman if he plays, but in true Wolf form, you consider that a cop-out, as do I. So instead, we're going to go with Jamal Williams. You've got him at running back 35, and that's 13 spots lower than the experts. I mean, spot 22 puts him as a starter in most leagues, uh, and you're obviously not on board with that. Not at all. He's facing a very tough Minnesota front seven. Uh, Just in general, we saw against Chicago not nearly the level of a defense that – Minnesota is sporting. It was nothing. He got, yeah, featured back treatment with Jones out, and I get that. But what, he rack up 47 yards, nothing exciting, no real red zone work. When Aaron Rodgers is out there, the running backs just typically aren't that solid. So I'm not buying into Williams. I'm not buying into the, the backfield as long as Rodgers is out there. And Rodgers has just been historically much worse in, in Minnesota. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. He's been much worse in Minnesota than he has been anywhere else. So I just think the overall offense gets a little bit stagnated, and Williams anyways wasn't that important of a cogs. Guy you're willing to take a chance on with a Hail Mary, Darren Sproles, the ageless Darren Sproles. Yeah. I was drafting this guy years and years ago when he was playing with the Saints, and the Chargers maybe even. I feel like I might have mm-hmm. had him on some fantasy teams. He's playing at Tampa Bay. You've got him as your RB43. That's 16 spots higher than the experts. Hard to believe they would have him down at RB59. I know 43 is not super high. For some reason, 59 just seems like, you know, not even on the page. Right, exactly. He's an only 5% owned, so he's not really on anybody's page. Nobody's starting him this week. But this was a guy that led the team in snaps last week, played plenty in the red zone, and I think that is going to flip. I think Ajay is going to continue to pile on more and more work, and he'll be the, the clear snap leader this week. That doesn't mean Sproles is just going to disappear. He was definitely the main pass-catching back, and he's moving all over the place. He's obviously no Alvin Kamara. I get that. 
Uh, but still, he's used very similarly, and we saw what Kamara just did to this Tampa Bay team. So I could totally see Sproles busting a couple big receptions against this defense that loves to give up chunk plays. And if he continues to be used that heavily in the red zone, I can definitely see him falling into uh, to the end zone for a score. So I think he's well worth a, a flex stab if you're completely desperate, losing running backs or injuries or what have you. Just the, the Hail Mary play of the week for me. All right, let's talk wide receivers. Guy we're higher on, and I'm interested to hear you uh, talk about this one. Uh, you like mm-hmm. Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon I is do. a polarizing figure. Uh, he's playing at New Orleans. We all know New Orleans got lit up like crazy by the Magic Man and his cast. You've got him as your wide receiver 18. Now, that's 21 spots higher than the experts. They have him at 39, which is like not even really startable in, in a 12-team league. Uh, you also like Will Fuller. I mean, he's injured. We don't even know if he's going to play. If he, I'm assuming this is if he does. You've got right. him as your wide receiver 26. That's 36 spots higher than the experts. Those are both massive, massive discrepancies between your ranks and the experts. Why do you feel so strongly about these guys? That's why I included two because I couldn't believe just how massively higher I was on both guys. Josh Gordon's kind of the no-brainer here. It's such a fantastic athlete athleticism and that type of freakish ability should never be down at wide receiver 39 especially against a defense that just got lit up by Fitz magic I mean come on yes I think the Saints will be a little bit better this week but Tyrod Taylor could be equally destructive he can run the ball well we saw Gordon you know he was pretty much starting and was a full-time player by the end of that game and now has already been kind of inserted back in the starting lineup has more time to finally build that chemistry throughout the week build up that rapport we saw that unbelievable red zone uh, touchdown where he tied up the game. And I just think this is the week he really blows up and is showing the world Josh Gordon is back, clear-headed, best quarterback of his career. Todd Haley knows how to use receivers better than anybody. And again, the matchup is just so juicy after we saw what the Bucks did to this team. I love Gordon's upside. Will Fuller, I kind of already hinted at when we talked about him in the, the stock watch trainer room. But again, one of the best deep threats in the league. Tennessee just got burned repeatedly deep by Kenny Stills. And I think Fuller is even better down the field than Stills is. And I love Stills. Uh, I just think this could be the week when he returns, catches another bomb from Deshaun Watson, and kind of reignites that offense. He's in a great spot if he's able to get on the field this week. All right, guy you're lower on, and I feel like you've really been hitting these things out of the park because there's a lot of these that I look at that you've put on the list, and I'm just like, yeah, totally. That's the guy I would have picked, mm-hmm. too. Chris Hogan at Jacksonville, wide receiver 39 for us. That's 19 spots below the experts. Hard for me to believe, given what we've seen, that the experts actually think that Chris Hogan is the wide receiver 20 in the league. But that that is where they're ranking him. I don't get it. I don't either. And he didn't show up in a much easier matchup against Houston. One catch, 11 yards. And I think it really just proved this guy's not a number one receiver. In that any time Edelman or Gronk has missed time, Hogan's really struggled when he has to face the top coverage of a team. He's definitely a great mismatch guy, can beat slot corners, can often roast the second corner on a team. We saw in the Steelers playoff game, we had like 195 yards of two TDs. He can blow up, but he can't be the number one receiver and blow up, and especially not against a Jacksonville secondary that locks up A.J. Green and all these elite receivers, never mind Chris Hogan. The guy's unstartable this week. There's no way he does much more than what he had last week, about one catch and 11 yards. And if they're saying to start him at the wide receiver 20 that that just blows my mind i, I the, there's no chance this week hail mary chris godwin 34 percent owned only five percent started you also really like quincy Anunwa. uh yeah I, I fell asleep at the wheel i could have grabbed him in my hometown league and i didn't um mm. ironically i didn't because i didn't want to drop sony michelle so we'll see how that works i think out. that's fair too i wouldn't have dropped michelle for Anunwa, even though i do like what i saw We'll start with Godwin, though. Anytime he's played over 50% of the Buck snaps in his six, that's been six career games, he's had some really impressive receiving lines. Uh, you know, five for 68, five for 68 again, one for 18, a shitty game, but then three for 98, one, seven for 111 in a TD, and then three for 41 in a TD. And this is, you know, while well, he's a rookie, just still emerging, coming into the league. And this whole preseason, all the reports, this guy's dominating in one-on-ones. We saw in the preseason with some great contested catches over great corners like Darius Slay and now Deshaun Jackson obviously came off a blow-off game but seems like he's going to be out with a concussion and shoulder injury which means Godwin will be locked into a near every down role averaging over
over 12 points in these games where he sees over 50% of the snaps. So he's been the wide receiver 24 or so over the last two years when he's played those. And that's, again, as a rookie, kind of still finding his bearings. And now he's just a much more dominant threat. I really think this is a great matchup for him, and he could really blow up for you. And then Anunwa, I mean, it's just the targets. You're following the volume there. The guy had 10 of the team's 21 targets, I believe it was, or like 11 of 21. 40% target share, whatever that ended up being, the exact numbers, had 6 for 60 in a TD, showed that kind of bullish run-after-the-catch style. I, I just loved Anunwa. I wish I, I knew he was going to be good. I didn't put enough preseason puff into him because nobody talked about this guy. And I just love what I saw. I owned him a couple years ago. He's right back into that flex radar, especially in bye weeks. And only 3% started this week. I think people are going to regret that. Yeah, I think that's a really good chance they're going to. It makes me like sweat a little bit when I'm thinking about, uh, you know, I'm thinking about the Jets passing game. And, you know, I love Robbie Anderson, as you know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, and he did have a great touchdown pass, but that was all he got. And uh, Quincy, six catches, almost 60 or 70 yards and a score. You know, I like that stat line a lot more. Uh, Let's move on to tight ends. Uh, Guy we're higher on. And I'm surprised we're still higher on this guy because I feel like the hype about him, especially after week this week, has been off the chart. But we still are. We got him as our tight end five. George Kittle playing Detroit. The experts have him at 10. Again, I'm surprised. I'm surprised there's nine guys the experts think are better than him this week. I really am. Absolutely. And he's one of the few tight ends right now coming off a week one. It was very clear. This is going to be a tough, tough year for tight ends. This makes it that much more imperative if you drafted Gronk like our boy Elliot Chris came on and said. It's going to be one of those years where it's very inconsistent for tight ends. But one of the guys I think could really be, uh, you know, I didn't say this in the preseason, but now after week one, this this year's Ertz could really be George Kittle. He had an impressive 5-for-90 stat line last week against a tough, tough Minnesota D. But the crazier thing is it should have been 8-for-202. I mean, the guy just he dropped a, a flat-out 80-yard bomb where he was wide open, would have scored and outran the entire defense. He was wide open in the for a four-yard play that just didn't connect in the, the red zone. Uh, and just had another couple seam stretchers where it just barely missed. Uh, for making just a complete massive day. I love the routes they were sending him on. This guy runs a 4.52 at a humongous 6.4, 247. So he's got that mismatch athleticism that Kyle Shanahan loves. Only Gronk had more uh, yards per route run with Kittle had 13.1, which just barely trailed Gronkowski's 13.4. The guy looks like he could be a real season changer, and he gets a much easier matchup against Detroit. Even if Goodwin comes back and kind of helps ease some, gets him even more space to kind of roam underneath, I would like that even more. So I I love Kittle regardless of whether Goodwin plays or not. I think he's going to blow up against Detroit and show that he's this year's Ertz. Kyle Rudolph, a guy that I really liked. Uh, going into the season. And I know it's only one game, so maybe we shouldn't panic. But I did not love what I saw, despite the fact that he did catch a touchdown uh, in week one. It's just I didn't like the usage. I didn't see him getting targeted very much. Um, and so you have him as your tight end number 10. That's three spots below the experts. Not a huge difference, but uh, they're still giving him more credit than you are. Yeah, it was tough to find someone I was very, very low on compared to the experts. So I had to go with the tight end. You know, it seemed like a touchdown or bust type of guy with Rudolph, which surprises me because our guy, John DeFilippo, the new offensive coordinator there, has always used his tight ends very, very heavily. But that was also on a, a Cleveland team and Gary Barnage that had no outside receiving threats. Now you come in with Diggs and Thielen and you give DeFilippo those type of weapons and the target totem pole. But what I really didn't like was there's two creature titans. I don't even know their names that matched his total for targets this week. I don't get what that rotation was about. I don't hope, I don't think it's going to linger, but I don't, I can't explain it. Makes me a little bit nervous, Rudolph. And now that he's kind of shaping up like that Jimmy Graham, one catch, seven yard TD. So you're not mad. But then when he doesn't score, you're just complete hole in the lineup. I'm very nervous about that this week. All right. Hail Mary. And I agree with this too. I mean, uh... Antonio Gates, I can't believe it's 2018 and we're still yeah. bringing up Antonio Gates as if he's semi-relevant, but he is semi-relevant. He's only mm-hmm. 9% owned, but I mean, come on, Hunter Henry out. Who do you go to if you're San Diego and you lose your top tight end? Well, why not Antonio Gates? He probably lives like next door to the stadium. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, Antonio Gates, you also like Johnu Smith. Talk to me about both those guys. Yeah, I mean, Gay's just a solid shot at a tight uh, touchdown against this awful Buffalo defense. They're going to move the ball with ease. And I know he doesn't look nearly like the athlete that he once was. I get that. But 
Ultimately, he doesn't have to be. If they're going to move the ball well, he still has that red zone rapport with Phillip Rivers. Only 9% owned. No one's going to be starting this guy. And I could still see him finding the end zone. And then, yeah, John Junu. I have no idea how to actually say this guy's name. John Smith. Uh, obviously, the, the Tennessee t- uh, tight end. Take it over for Delaney Walker. An athletic freak. You know, scouting report talked all about how he's great after the catch and dangerous route runner down the seams and all the stuff that you love as a fantasy owner the weaknesses were blocking and things that i don't care about as a fantasy player and he's going to inherit a very healthy target share uh delaney walker was obviously maybe the highest targeted guy in this offense for 2018 definitely was last year that role is now john smith's uh, could be a mismatch freak and the, that run after the catchability really plays into Matt LaFleur's screen-heavy system. I, I'm very excited to see this guy. I'd love to stash him and kind of see what happens and not have to use him. But if you're desperate, we just saw Gronk destroy this Houston team. And I could see Smith coming out and making a real impression in his first start. All right, we're going to do defense, which surprised me. We usually don't do defense, but we're going to because that's the kind of thorough guy the Wolf is. <laughs> Let's talk about the New York Jets, who you like 18 spots higher than the experts. Yeah. Why, why in the world? They just had 26 fantasy points against Detroit, who I would expect to have a better offense than Miami. So why not? They're at home. Bowles, you know, Todd Bowles is a defensive-minded guy. He's kind of finally pieced together the secondary. A lot of draft picks invested in this defense to get him the pieces he likes. And he really was a, a very strong coordinator with the, the, the Cardinals and just a, a bright mind. And I think he finally has assembled the talent he wants and it's it flourished. And I think against the Miami, Ryan Tannehill-led offense, whether they have four turnovers again in a touchdown, I doubt that. But I could definitely see at least a couple picks, maybe a score, and at least holding these guys to under 20 points or so. Solid, solid defensive stream that should not be down in like the 26 range for defenses. And But if you can get the Bears, I like them even more. They're now 70% on. They were only 40% on going into yesterday. But they're getting Seattle. We just gave up six sacks to Denver, and this line is going to block Khalil Mack. We just saw what this fucking monster did uh, on Sunday Night Football. They already had 14 fancy points, and that was after Rodgers surgically carved them up. I can see them having a nice day against Seattle and scoring another touchdown here. Uh, this this next one, and we're going to close the segment on this. Defense, you're lower on than everybody else. How could you be lower on this defense than everybody else? Like, How could everybody else not have this defense buried 40 feet underground we're talking about the new orleans saints how yeah. could they possibly did, did anyone see the saints play last week right i exactly. I, I used the saints in two leagues last negative week. nine points right like i had them in negative eight in one league negative four in one league just embarrassing and it was horrendous and i get like last week's stats don't dictate this week and i yeah, i do but they're sure that. a decent reference point Exactly, and I know they'll. They have to improve. They can't be as bad. I don't think. But Cleveland's offense, I think, is better than the Buccaneers. I can see them coming in and putting up a steady amount of points in what should be a shootout in the Superdome. I don't see any reason why they should be ranked in the top five against Cleveland if they can't even defend Ryan Fitzpatrick. That makes me nervous. I don't get how they're ranked in the top five. Maybe number thirteen or fourteen. But there's a lot of other defenses I'd be giving a look to before them. I'm with you. All right, we'll be right back with week two burning questions right after this. We are back. Week two burning questions. We're going to get right into it. Number one, unstoppable forces meet immovable objects. Love that. Love good physics question. Two elite offenses in the Packers and the Patriots will be going against some elite defenses in the Vikings and Jags, respectively. How significantly are you dropping fantasy expectations for these teams, if at all? And I assume you're talking about the offensive teams there. Absolutely, yeah. And I am dropping expectations pretty heavily for both teams. Uh, the, The Patriots... The receiving core is just so abysmal. We saw this. I mean, is Dorsett going to get open? Is Chris Hogan, who couldn't get open against the Texans, going to get open? No, absolutely not. Gronk is still a beast. But, I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars have the talent to take this guy out of the game if they really want to. 
I, I mean, James White, I think, will rack up some receptions. But ultimately, Brady falls to my QB8, not somebody that I'm you know going out there and dying to start, which is un, you know definitely not common for Tom Brady, usually up there with the Breezes and the Deshaun Watsons, maybe not this year, the, the elite guys. But Brady has to take a, a big hit because the weapons aren't there. The matchup is tough. Uh, I'm not liking any of that. And then the Packers, I mean, anywhere – Rodgers pretty much is matchup proof – against anybody other than this Mike Zimmer-led uh, Packers team. The splits are crazy, whereas Rodgers averages around 280 yards or so per game against the Zimmer-led uh, Vikings. Those stats drop down to about 200 yards a game. His numbers drop from about 28 fantasy points per contest against anybody else to right around 20, maybe even a little bit under in the last four contests as well. So Rodgers kind of struggles, and he's not at full health. I mean, Devontae Adams is now dealing with a shoulder injury. I just don't think that this team is nearly as undisciplined to give up those humongous run-after-the-catch plays like Randall Cobb had, and this team was just churning all week. They're much better than tacklers. Mike Zimmer is a much better coach, and I think both of them you know, get seriously downgraded. Rodgers is the number one quarterback in everybody else's rankings. Number six, I'd say, in mine. I'd even rather start Phillip Rivers than Aaron Rodgers this love week. Love Phillip Rivers. Love, love Philly. Uh, so this is a week where Aaron Rodgers – rarely could be benched. If you have a guy like Phillip Rivers or Pat Mahomes, I would start either of them over Rodgers and Brady too. All right, question number two. Many expected juggernauts had pop gun attacks to begin 2018. Of the 49ers, Lions, Eagles, Atlanta, and Texans, and I'm just going to you know call bullshit on the Lions being <clears throat> called an expected juggernaut. Which teams do you expect to bounce back and which one are you expecting to continue sucking? Uh, the Lions, I, I will just jump out and say I expect them to continue sucking. Yeah, beat me to the punch. I think so too. And they, <laughs> they were among the top scoring attacks last year, but I don't see anything. Uh, this team is just completely uh, in shambles. I don't think Patricia has this Dude, locker he's at awful. All. He's awful. He's not a good coach. Doesn't know what he's doing on defense and is a defensive-minded guy. That's not okay. So I don't see anyone buying into him. I'm still very nervous about Atlanta. I don't like Steve Sarkeesian at all. Has no idea what to do in the red zone. No idea how to properly utilize uh, Julio Jones. And that's with Julio going for 160 last week. Should have been 230 and two TDs. So I I don't expect Atlanta to turn it around. And the Eagles, until Wentz comes back, still have me very nervous. Now, they are facing Tampa Bay. So I can see a little bit more firepower here. That defense is obviously horrendous. But still, Foles wouldn't attack deep at all. I don't know what happened to the guy that the Patriots saw, but that I mean, it had to have been God going into this guy's body and saying that the, the Patriots aren't winning this one. We're going to rob Tom Brady, uh, and Tom Brady almost went toe to toe with God that day. But either way, I don't see the Lions, Eagles, or Atlanta turning it around. But I could see, and I do see, the 49ers and Texans kind of bouncing back. The, the Lions' defense looked horrendous. Matt Patricia doesn't know what he's doing. I can see Jimmy Garoppolo carving those guys up, especially if Goodwin's back. And Kittle, obviously, as we talked about, is going to have a huge day. The running game will finally kind of find some traction against the softer front. And then the Texans, as long as Will Fuller's out there, that's the big one. But Tennessee's defense is nothing special either. And Will Fuller, if he comes and brings that game-changing speed, I think Watson will start to find that mojo back. And I can see both of those teams bouncing back in week two. I agree with your bounce-back choices. Uh, To me, it's much less about Fuller and much more about Watson. I mean, Fuller's Mm -hmm. important, but Watson looked so bad in that game. And it's like... I'm I'm not willing to condemn the team or him based on one bad performance, but it, it was it gave me just a little bit of a double take. That's all I'll say. I, I think the Texans yeah. have uh, the best chance of this group to be the team we thought they were going to be. Mm. Question number three, DeAndre Hopkins of the aforementioned Texans, Kareem Hunt, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette were among the more underwhelming first round picks in week one. Who bounces back? Who are you most nervous about? Hmm. I would say Hopkins doesn't worry me at all. The guy's gotten it done with no. Tom Savage and pretty much anybody not named Brock Osweiler. So I'll never worry about DeAndre Hopkins. He still had a solid. He still had like eight one. catches for eighty yards or something. Like yeah, that. you know it, that that was underwhelming for him. So that's kind of that's a pretty solid floor that I will accept any week. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, you know, uh, lots of talk about how he only had ten carries and. And C.J. Anderson had seven, and now it's a committee. You look at the really underlying stats, though. McCaffrey was on the field for 85% of those snaps. So I'm not overly worried. He only started losing red zone carries after he fumbled the ball. Now, if that carries over for the rest of the season, I will be worried. But my guess is it was just a little slap on the wrist. 
get your head out of your ass. Don't be fumbling the ball in the red zone. And he kind of reassumes that workhorse role, especially against an Atlanta team this week that's always getting dominated by pass-catching backs. They have the second-most passing points to running backs last year. Already got decimated by the Eagles in the passing game this year. I think McCaffrey bounces back, has a huge one, and great value on uh, Daily Fantasy as well. Leonard Fournette. I would be buying low on him as well if I'm in a good spot, especially if he doesn't play this week and I start 2-0 and his owner starts to freak out. I would be buying in him still. He looks like a workhorse. Even when he before he got injured, he was getting worked in the receiving game like we expected uh, and just slimmed down, looks explosive. If he takes the week off and gets fully healthy, I would like that because it's going to create a great window. And I think that guy's going to be fine down the stretch. But Kareem Hunt is the one I'm most nervous about if, that, if I'm going to ask um, which one I don't think. It, it was one wasn't a mirage. He didn't do much at all, and that's the Andy Reid Walrus effect, where he just kind of disappears. Tyreek Hill really looks like the engine of this offense, whether it's in the the running game or the shovel pass game or the deep ball game. This offense has a new centerpiece, and I'm worried that Kareem Hunt's really going to fall to the wayside with so many other weapons around him that these disappearing acts aren't going to be just a one week thing. I'm very nervous about Hunt. All right, we'll be right back with a mailbag right after this. All right, we're back with the mailbag and very happy, honored even, to be kicking off the mailbag segment with a, a voicemail from Mad Money Mike, one of our favorites, Triple mm-hmm. M. Um, so, Wolf, fire it away. Yep, no idea what this one's going to say, but I don't know if he owns Derrick Henry again this year because oh, that was one of my favorite rants of all time. Let's find out. A low fancy fullback dive. It's Mad Money Mike. Not so mad this week in week Ooh. one. Stacked my team up with those RSJ picks, and let me tell you what a week it was. We had Diggs starting with a touchdown right off the bat to get things going. We had Gurley doing that number one running back stuff that you like. The the floor is so high, and the ceiling's even higher. And Kenny Stills, (laughs) lightning on the field and electricity in my pants with those two (laughs) touchdowns. Yes. And, of course... The reason I would gladly follow Wolf to the gates of hell if need be. I had him last year because of RSJ, and of course I made sure to get him again. A gentleman in the streets and an absolute freak in the stat sheets, Tyreek Hill. <laughs> he is a gentleman in the streets. Right off the bat, wasting no time putting up those points. I was just soaking it all in. Made it that much sweeter hearing little Jimbo slice wine. Oh, I, I was going to take him two spots after you. Oh. <laughs> oh, my Atlanta. I felt like I was going to have to consult a doctor because it would just not go away after four hours. <laughs> Thanks for all the good work so far, gentlemen. Can't wait to see what's up for the rest of the season. Not so mad money, Mike. Signing off. Nice. That was awesome stop? because that wasn't even a question. That was just okay. a hype piece. He was like Flavor Flav. I mean, that's that's the great shit. And that, again, why we do it is to build these awesome teams and build the Wolf Pack, the guys that will follow me to the gates of hell. Love that type of commentary. Mad Money Mike, we, we really appreciate that. And if we've helped you draft a juggernaut and you want to send in a voicemail as well, that stuff just, it makes me so fucking happy to listen to. So thanks a lot for that praise, man. Much appreciated. All right. Now we're going to get into the actual mailbag. Uh, this is from at BS Now 2 or B Snow 2. I don't even know which one that would be. From Instagram, there's a full PPR question. Would you trade Amari Cooper for Jarvis Landry? Hell yes, I would. Yeah, absolutely. The floor is just going to be so much higher week to week with Jarvis Landry. We saw 17 targets last week. Absurdity. The guy is a beast and a good offense being used better than ever under Todd Haley. Yes, I would get rid of Amari Cooper if I could right now for much less than Jarvis Landry and especially for Jarvis. Like, yeah. Deshaun Watson at Tennessee versus Jared Goff. Versus Arizona. Who do you like? And I would say it's got to be Watson. Uh, Unless Fuller's out, then I'll get a little bit more pause. But especially if Fuller returns, you can't sit Watson. I know Goff has the higher floor, but Watson's just so explosive last year. And I think this is the week that he returns uh, Will Fuller. And this offense starts to regain some of that mojo. Yeah, okay. And by the way, that was from Jimbo Slice, the aforementioned Jimbo Slice 
from whiny. Money Mike, the whiny Jimbo Slice. <laughs> uh, another question from Jimbo. Full PPR, Josh Gordon versus Royce Freeman. As long I'm, as this Philip Lindsay I'm going creature. Jordan. Yeah, if that Philip Lindsay creature exists, I'm going Josh Gordon. I already talked about how much I love Josh Gordon in this matchup. And I think this is his coming out party for 2018. All right, here's one that CJ sent in, although I don't think it was for him. Uh, Tyrod Taylor versus Kirk Cousins. Oh, man, as much as I love Tyrod in this juicy, juicy matchup, I'm going to go with the floor of Kirk. He's got a high floor, high ceiling, and another good matchup this week. Let's go with Kirk. All right, this one's from Steven, also sent in by CJ. Pick three of four of these, PPR. James White, Will Fuller, I'm assuming that assumes he's playing, Peyton Barber or Brandon Marshall. Got to pick three of them. I'm going James White for sure. He's a no-brainer. I think he's going to be the engine of this offense against Jacksonville. Fuller, as long as he's out there, we've already raved about him this episode. I would definitely go with him. Obviously, it's an easy decision if he's out. You just go with the other three. So then it comes down to Barber or Marshall, full PPR. Oh, man, that's that's a tricky one. I can see Marshall racking up some serious yak against the Chicago team that looked very poor at tackling and had just receivers running wide open. Could be the number one target there in um, in Seattle. So, yeah, I'll go Brandon Marshall. Peyton Barber's looked uninspiring this first week. I even used that exact word to describe him in the rundown. <laughs> nice. I said he was uninspiring. He was. He, was, he was okay. Yeah, that's All right. Really. Last questions. These are from Jay Mars. Uh, PPR Flex. Kenyon Drake versus Amari Cooper versus James White. Mm. That's a tough one. That's a yeah. really fucking tough Am one. Am I crazy for maybe thinking I'm leaning towards James White? Not at all. I think he's probably the highest floor option, which is insane. Definitely the lowest ceiling because Cooper and Drake just are so talented yeah. Yeah. that they could explode. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, I'd probably go with that floor of James White in a full PPR league. All right. Here's another standard. By the way, why are you playing standard, Jay Mars? Yeah. Don't Come play on. standard. Come on. JV. Adrian Peterson versus Dion Lewis versus Peyton Barber. To me, this is probably Dion. What do you think? It is Dion. Even though Standard does typically favor a guy like AP, and even though AP's got a nice yeah. soft matchup against the Colts, I do like AP this week. But Dion Lewis, I've been raving about him. Uh, I just think he is a touchdown machine in this offense and going to emerge as that true workhorse that Matt LaFleur loves to merge that running and pass games. Go Dion. All right, that's it for the mailbag. We're going to wrap things up. Well, if you got any social media you want to talk about, any of our uh, upcoming events, products, uh, guides, anything like that you want to talk about before we get off the air? As always, rotostreetjournal.com is the homepage, and Fantasy Fullback Dive is the podcast, ffbdpod.com. Uh, we'd love if this is your first time. Subscribe if you liked what you heard so we can lead those pulverizing paths for you all off-season or an all-regular season now. Um, and then, of course, Facebook, Roto Street Journal. That's where we do our sit-start show every Sunday at 11 a.m. Make sure you're there. Uh, and that's Eastern time, too. So make sure you're there. If you got some sit-start questions, get that lineup optimized. We always crush it on that one. Uh, and then Instagram has been blowing up lately. Our guy Taylor is doing a great job coming up with new uh, photos and video templates. So Roto Street Journal there. Twitter, of course, you can find me, Roto Street Wolf. Uh, you can find our main page, Roto ST Journal. And I think we're going to have a reemergence of the Snapchat soon. So that's at Roto ST Journal and Roto Street Wolf on that as well. And again, subscribe, review. All right. My name's Nat the Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. See you guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd. Take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.